And now on WRS, Michael McKay with the McKay interview. Hello, everyone. We all know the old saying, crime doesn't pay. Well, today I'm going to take a closer look at this with special regard to the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all suffering at present. I'm going to look at the public health and economic crisis through the prism of law enforcement and organized crime to find out what is going on around the world. And to help me, I'm privileged to have as my guest today the Secretary General of the world's largest police organization, Dr. Jürgen Stock of Interpol, or to give it its full name, the International Criminal Police Organization. It's based in Lyon, France, just an hour's drive away from where I am now. Dr. Stock has been Secretary General since 2014 and is now serving his second term. Prior to that, he was Vice President of the German Federal Criminal Police, and he's had a 40-year career, a distinguished career, in law enforcement, and is also Honorary Professor of Law and Criminology in the Faculty of Law at the University of Gießen in Germany. Hello, Secretary General. Many thanks for making time for me and listeners to the McKay interview via Zoom. Hello. Thanks for having me in the program. Dr. Stark, I can say this with confidence that the vast majority of listeners to the McKay interview will probably only know about the criminal world, unless they're in the professions of the criminal law or law enforcement, through what they read in the press or learn from the media. So my first question is fairly obvious, is to briefly describe, outline what you as the top professional, the leader of Interval, define as organized crime. Yeah, actually, it, it's an interesting topic. Uh, organized crime. There's not a not, not a clear definition what organized crime uh, means. In in some countries, it's a special um, penal a special definition in the penal code. Uh, in in other countries, uh, it's it's regulated in a in a different way. But there is a, of course a common understanding that organized crime basically are networks which are involved in many different types of criminal activity, usually across several countries or continents, so normally we talk about transnational organized crime. Their activities, for instance, can include trafficking in people, drugs, weapons, migrant smuggling, illicit goods such as pharmaceuticals, which is a big topic uh, in times of COVID-19, could be armed robbery, could be counterfeiting, of course, uh, investing the illegal proceeds, which means money laundering, could be environmental crime, think about uh, uh, parts of Africa, think about Asia, think about South America. Uh, it could be modern slavery. It could be white collar crime, not to forget that, which some people call victimless crimes, but of course, which is not victimless. Every crime has a victim. And I could continue um, the list. We see it's a very diverse phenomena, which also is part of the challenge for international law enforcement. It's about power, it's about influence, and it's also about economical impact because of the, a lot of the illegal proceeds are invested in the legitimate economy. And uh, we see very different types. We see, for instance, ethnic groups. We see kind of families organized also in illegal activity. But the difference to a normal gang, let's say a street gang doing robberies is that it's the main, let's say, illegal profession uh, of yeah. these people. Crime as a profession, a parallel criminal uh, business, a global business, uh, huge of money is going around. Uh, those organized crime groups have huge liquidity. 
Uh, and of course, they are very dynamic. They have their own business models. They have their operating models. They have long-term strategies. And as we clearly now can see in the context of what is going on with COVID-19, they are quickly, very quickly adapting uh, their business model. Just one example, uh, many countries around the world are now preparing the stimulus packages um, for those who are suffering under COVID-19, the economical situation. And it was quite impressive to see how quickly organized crime adapted. Just this little example in uh, putting uh, fake websites together uh, to get the information uh, from, from, from people who are in need uh, and trying to exploit uh, this situation. So this makes, let's say, uh, uh, organized crime so dangerous, so difficult. Is not always violence. It's not always what happened a, a couple of years ago in my home country, Germany, where uh, six mafia members were found dead on the street, shot. Uh, very often organized crime, let's say it's part of our societies, but it's a parallel society. And organized crime normally tries to be under the surface. So not, okay. not to be detected, not making too much noise, uh, silently reinvesting their illegal proceeds. And all these issues are making it for international law enforcement so difficult to investigate. And on the other hand, it makes Interpol as a global platform for coordinating operations um, so important nowadays, more important than ever, if I may say. My next question then, Dr. Stock, goes into it and allows you to go into that in a bit more detail. I refer initially to the United States and Canada, but also then I'll come to Europe. I've read that in the US and Canada, there have been supply shortages and price hikes reported in some regional illicit drug markets. And nearer home, we've read in neighboring Italy, for example, organized crimes have taken advantage, as you just pointed out, of the bad situation caused by COVID-19. My question is this. Has the pandemic, or to what extent has the pandemic, had an impact on the ability of organized crime groups to supply illegal markets with their stock in trade, like illicit drugs, like counterfeit goods, like human trafficking? And will, in your opinion, this COVID-19 pandemic change the dynamics and power balances among crime groups? That's a very good question, because what we currently see is, of course, unprecedented. We all, we have never seen such a, such a health crisis. We have never seen such an economical crisis. Of course, all the experts are expecting a, a global recession stronger, with more impact than uh, the financial crisis in 2007, 2008. And of course, what we as law enforcement, as Interpol, uh, are seeing, and we are closely monitoring um, the situation since the start of the, of the crisis, is of course not only a health crisis, an economical crisis, it's also a crime-related crisis. Why? Why is that? Because um, we definitely in some parts see what could be described as a temporary disruption of criminal activities. For instance, transnational crime that relies on uh, air transportation flights going from one continent to the other, of course, they are now almost zero. So human trafficking, people smuggling by using uh, air transportation, almost zero for the moment. But um, we, we have to understand that organized crime is something very dynamic. Um, and organized crime groups, especially mafia-type organizations, have always been very fast in exploiting any opportunity. And unfortunately, COVID-19 is presenting increased opportunities for criminal activities. For instance, shifting 
um, to uh, what what uh, people's problems are currently, the concerns, the anxiety uh, in regards to COVID-19. So uh, fraud activities, fraud schemes, uh, we all read that in the newspapers, um, counterfeited masks, substandard masks, um, personal protective uh, material, counterfeited medicine, uh, all kinds of uh, schemes where, of course, the, the internet is the platform to conduct that, that kind of criminal activity from anywhere in the world. Uh, and of course, uh, cybercrime, you don't, need to, you don't need to leave your home. You can sit on your, in your pyjama, on your sofa, and you can attack any uh, computer, any critical infrastructure uh, around the world. So the main change has been a, a, a swift change into fraud schemes physically, People knocking at your door and saying, "I'm a representative from the Red Cross. I'm a representative from your from your city hall. Um, you you have to pay a certain amount for any service which doesn't exist. You have uh, to pay a fine because you behaved wrong uh, in times of confinement. So all kind of of of, of uh, um, criminal activity increasing, taking benefit of the anxiety and the concerns uh, of of people." On the other hand, we have also seen some activities, of course, decreasing, like, of course, naturally street robbery, yeah. home burglaries, if people are at home, less burglaries, quite clear. But we, we already see those uh, countries who have lifting the confinement now, uh, the stats are going to increase again. So it's a, it's a very dynamic situation. We see, for instance, Mexican cartels who have some problems in getting the precursor, chemical substances, to produce their synthetic drugs. So... But they, they quickly try to adapt uh, and they do it quite successfully, maybe changing uh, the drug type. So maybe from synthetic drugs, uh, drugs back to cocaine or cannabis. Um, so it's a very dynamic situation. And uh, this is the reason why I would call it only a temporary disruption. But in a longer term, we have to assume uh, and national governments have to prepare that um, uh, organized crime groups will exploit the situation to their benefit because opportunities for criminal activity will only increase. You've touched on cybercrime already, and I've got two more questions to ask you before we close. My guest today is Dr. Jurgen Stock, the Secretary General of Interpol, and we're discussing the state of organized crime during this time of COVID-19, and we're talking via Zoom. Dr. Stock, how has the pandemic affected global money laundering system fl and flows. A recent headline that I saw in the Los Angeles Times, far away, but it's a global business for, or global crime business, for example, indicated the pandemic had, in the words of the Los Angeles Times, crippled some international money laundering networks. Is that the case? Um, first of all, there is, as I said earlier, there's huge liquidity uh, in the hands of organized crime groups. We are talking about multi billion criminal industry in all these different areas, whether it's drug trafficking, whether it's environmental crime, whether it's uh, white collar crime. So um, it might also be a, a kind of temporary disruptions uh, as now some of the activities are stopped or maybe paying with cash now because of, the, of lockdowns and country is to some extent uh, uh, limited. Uh, they maybe have to be a little bit more careful. But of course, they are already looking uh, for opportunities, for instance, into investing illegal proceeds into the legitimate uh, economy. And again, the, the global economical situation now, which is difficult for many uh, small scale 
uh, dealers, traders. Um, of course, that, that might be uh, an avenue for organized crime groups to be active, for instance, uh, in, in, in loan sharking, uh, in, in providing loans. So in, in, in building a, a relation uh, and building influence into the legitimate uh, economy, because it's a parallel world. Organized crime is not only in illegal activities, it has as historically always been investing in the legitimate economy. For instance, uh, even funeral service, um, um, uh, the disposal uh, of waste. So one of the concerns uh, we now have is that organized crime groups will invest in the illegal disposal of waste. Um, just, ex for instance, just explain why... Just explain why, though, why the parallel? Is that because they need a legitimate cover? I didn't quite understand that connection or that they, parallel. They, they, need, they need to, to, to wash their money, first yeah. of all. Um, they need to, to cover uh, where the money comes from, that the money comes from illegal activities. And how do you do that? By washing your money and investing it, uh, maybe channeling the money through different accounts on different uh, uh, continents, but finally, in investing it into the legitimate economy, so um, so that it's it's almost impossible sometimes for tax authorities, law enforcement, customs to see where the money comes from, uh, and and that again makes it makes it so dangerous. It's not you know that you can make a house search and you you, you find the money. Mm. The money is as soon as possible reinvested yeah. in criminal activity on the one hand, and they are investing also in technology but into the legitimate uh, economy as well. And again, there are plenty of opportunities now, and we see even organized crime groups now using the, the economical situation to build their relation with the public in, in even offering food, offering support, offering financial support. This is happening in Italy recently. That yeah. is happening in Italy, that is happening in Colombia, that is yeah. happening in Mexico, that is happening in many places around mm. the world because it's, it's typical organized crime behavior. Last question, which leads on from what you've just been saying. Is there any connection, in your opinion, between the crippling of the money laundering markets in some parts of the world and illicit betting on professional sports, which is a major moneymaker for crime groups, from what I've read, in many parts of the world? And the reason I ask is that, as you know, most professional sports leagues are on hiatus. They're stopped for the last few months. So how have the crime groups and their illicit gambling clientele adapted to that situation? It's, it's another, uh, let's say, another crime type. Um, and and uh, let's say briefly saying our Interpol match fixing task force has been uh, already detected in our um, conversation with our member countries' police forces that there are now some, some, some new categories that they try, for instance, to create artificial or even non existing sporting events to exploit um, the, the betting market still. Really? So, so what we see is, for instance, ghost matches that never happened, uh, despite appearance uh, on betting markets, websites, confirmation, social media, uh, or what have you, but, but actually events that never took place, or fake matches that effectively take place, but differently to how they are advertised. For instance, uh, so different team composition results might already be predetermined. Uh, and of course, the, the, the friendly matches that take place um, in, in some sport areas. Uh, so as any other organized crime, they are very dynamic uh, in, uh, in exploiting that situation. But let me say, finally, we all have a role to play. Fight against organized crime is a, is a comprehensive approach. And in regards to cyber, we all have a responsibility to protect our systems. So the usual updates using antivirus software uh, uh, and so on. 
And if an incident happens, if we see something suspicious, we should call the police, we should allow the police to start their, their investigation because organized crime has a huge dark number. So the more active we are as societies to identify suspicious activity, the more successful global law enforcement can be. It's a very powerful message, uh, Dr. Stop. Many thanks for answering all my questions so clearly and so frankly. My guest today has been Dr. Jürgen Stock, the Secretary General of Interpol. Thank you again, Dr. Stock. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. That was The McKay Interview with Michael McKay. And don't forget, you can hear that interview again on our website, worldradio.ch.